Commerce Podcast. I'm here with Casey. I'm here with Jesse. We're going live to multiple platforms. We're on Twitter Spaces. We're on YouTube. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on. Oh, I'm in a loop. All right. Uh, real quick, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor before we get started. What's up, everybody? This is John and Casey from ModCom, and I have to show you something, all right? This tool is called Wicked Reports. It's one of the best attribution tools I've ever seen because of this feature called Funnel Vision. It breaks up your ROAS into top, middle, and bottom of funnel. So I'm here on my Facebook ads account and checking out this campaign, V-Day Sale. I'd probably be cutting this thing, right? If I was looking in Ads Manager or if I was looking at First Touch Attribution, I'd be like, you suck, 0.18 ROAS you're out. Uh, but if I look at it middle funnel, it's like one of the best closers. If I look at it bottom of funnel, it's one of the best closers. So that campaign is closing. I got to keep it running. I got to adjust the targeting in there and I got to adjust the creative in there. You know what I'm saying, Casey? John, if you look at the top campaign here, this four pack lob rolls, uh, you can see actually the exact opposite effect. It's, it's bringing people into the account, into this world really effectively, but it's not that closing type. So you kind of need a little bit of both, right? Like this is Can't the Kobe. Close. One you described as the shack, together they make beautiful harmony in your ad account. Yeah, that one's lobbing it up. The other one's throwing it down. If you want to find out which of your campaigns are Kobe's, which ones are Shaq's, and which ones you should just cut entirely, don't even give them a roster spot, go to wickedreports.com and click the book a demo button. All right, we're back. Jesse, we are here today with Mr. Jesse Puji. Uh Jesse, it is good to have you here, man. I'm 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 excited to have you. You are one of my favorite edutainers out there on your podcast. One of my favorite, uh, uh, what do you call them? Business celebrities, business business tweeters. Uh, one of my favorite tweeters out there uh, <laughs> to follow, to listen to. Um, yeah, give everyone a, the quick the quick background on you. I mean, I'll, I'll give it the rundown. I, founder of Gateway, founder of Kahani, founder of Amp Push, which you've now grown or sold. Uh, founder of Growth Assistant, uh, lots of founders, and we're going to get into how you get it, how you actually do all that. But yeah, I mean, sure. everyone, the background on you, if you want to give like the sixty second rundown. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'm uh, born and raised in St. Louis, immigrant. My dad was an immigrant, came over from India when he was seventeen, uh, and was always a small business entrepreneur. So kind of grew up with that in my DNA, uh, had the DJing business in high school, had a t-shirt business in college. I spent probably about four years, uh, two years doing like management consulting and then two years working on wall street. And in 2010, just was like, you know, I want to, I want to go build something. And so left wall street. It was, it was a kind of the financial crisis time anyway, you know, a bunch of friends and mentors said, you're good with numbers, data, go look at digital marketing. Uh, we were really keen on bootstrapping and I'm happy to talk more about that. And so we wanted to pick something that we could kind of get off the ground ourselves and get going. And a long story short, which I can share the long story is, is we became, we, we were right around the time Facebook ads was launching the first version of their, their ads platform. And so we were one of the first companies to really figure out how to make them work from a direct response perspective. And then eventually a data and a technology perspective. And our early customers were companies like Uber, Dollar Shave Club, Clash of Clans, Peloton, Blue Apron. Stitch Fix. I mean, you kind of name it. If it was like a big consumer unicorn, they were probably one of our, our clients. Uh, we grew that business. You know, it's funny. I'm doing a lot now, but I that's all I did for 10 years, you know, uh, for 10 years to the month. We grew it. We, we uh, took a, a, an investment in it about five years into the journey. Um, we ultimately, you know, I, I stepped down as CEO after 10 years, moved back to St. Louis after 10 years in San Francisco. 
uh, we, we then sold Ampush very recently uh, as I was kind of the chairman of the company. And, you know, I had thought about my dream over time was like taking all the things I had learned and kind of doing entrepreneurship every day and coaching and teaching other leaders and started to really think about a format like that would work for that. And that's kind of where Gateway X came from, which is what is, you know, a venture studio, essentially venture studio meets holding company. But can we launch our own ideas, build the businesses and scale them and then kind of build this amazing culture and organization that's like all about entrepreneurship. So that's that's sort of where how the story all ties together. Yeah. Yeah, no, your your stories, I've heard your story on like other pods as well. And I think it's pretty funny. Like I, you know, not funny, it's interesting, but but there are funny parts like how, you know, when you guys were getting started, you just did like this lead gen business and you're like, oh yeah, you know, that you took like a 50K deposit, you know, to to generate leads for a company on a on an affiliate basis. And you yeah, had no idea. It wasn't a deposit. It was it was a they they gave us an allocation. They're like, if you can get the leads, we'll pay for them. Oh, gotcha. And you know, yeah, what do you say in the early money. days? You just say yes to everything. And <laughs> you say yes we to money. No, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we were just blowing ourselves up running search ads. We didn't understand quality score. We didn't understand <laughs> landing pages. I mean, we knew nothing, right? Yeah. Um, but not knowing something is it can be a very uh, huge advantage because you're willing to go if you're willing to go learn it, you know. Right. And so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we, we made tons of mistakes. I mean, you name a mistake and we've made it. Um, right. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I like it. So before we get into this, I, I think that one of the, I, I tweeted or I, I kind of DM'd you this week and I was like, Hey, what do you think? Uh, you know, what do you think it'd be fun to talk about? What's some stuff you haven't, you haven't talked about yet. Um, so we're going to get into it. And a lot of it is like, you know, what do we see the future hap- happening over the next few years? So let's get into speculation mode a little bit. Um, but before we do that, I want to play want to play around to High Low Buffalo. Uh, All right, so I've heard you do on your podcast, High Low Buffalo. Do you want to explain what High Low Buffalo is? Yeah, this is a game I play with my kids when we eat dinner together. You know, uh, multiple times during the week. High is just something like good thing that happened in your day, or you know, the last few days. A low is something low, and a buffalo uh, is just something random or weird that took place. Nice. Okay, uh, I'll go first. I'll go first. Hi, I don't know what my Buffalo is going to be though. Uh, that's all right. I'll figure it out on the fly. So I'll start with my low because I definitely know that off the top of my head. My low was I play in like, in like basketball leagues, like, like men, men, like grown up leagues. Um, and like, I'm not a particularly good basketball player. I'm a pretty average player, but I know a lot of really good players. So we rarely lose. Right. I said all that about me not being good because I was prefacing it to say we don't lose very much like Uh we'll go whole league seasons undefeated and win and that's pretty common and we lost both games this week like we were oh and two on the week which was crazy one of the the guys i play with like he loses even as i do but yeah i mean uh so that was my oh that was my teacher shot instead of in this week yeah Uh, this Sorry about that. A little technical difficulty on my mic. Um, high for this week was uh, I just got back. We're, we're working on a deal for this podcast and potentially our sports podcast as well uh, on a, a potentially big deal. I don't want to reveal too much about it yet, not because I'm not supposed to, but because I don't know. You ever like get, you ever do that thing where you're like, I just don't want to jinx it. You know, like I don't want to yeah, want to like sure. something about it and then have it not go through or whatever. So I. Uh, I won't say too much about it yet, but uh, we're working on something potentially really exciting for our our kind of group of podcasts. 
Um, and then Buffalo. Buffalo is just something random. Weird, random, unexpected. Got you. Okay, so Buffalo. Um, oh, Buffalo was that we got a we we might have got a I'm unclear on this. There, just switch my mic back. Um, sorry. My Buffalo is that we may have got a new puppy. Hmm, I think about. I am unsure whether we got it, which you'd think like, hey, it seems like you should know whether you got a new puppy or not, right? But uh, not in my house. My wife just brings home dogs sometimes. <laughs> she, lives, she lets you live the buffalo life. She, yeah, it's a, there's very regular buffaloes. Uh, if you do get a new puppy, you're going to have to name it Buffalo. You realize that. Oh, that's a good idea. I should I should send her this when we're or done. Or Hilo. Yeah, Hilo. You choose. Hilo or Buffalo? I like Buffalo. It's like a, it's a, it'll be like a mini Aussie. It's a fun somewhere. word to say. Yeah. I, I like, I like the name Buffalo for a mini Aussie doodle. Uh, Casey, you want to go? Are you, you just busy over there? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So I think I understand the game here. Hi. Let's say, uh, hi. I'm going to, a friend from high school is in town. So going to get to see that dude. That's kind of cool. Uh, first time in a minute. Uh, so yeah, excited for that. That's my high, uh, my low, uh, you know, luckily nothing too devastating. I'm going to go with a, a good old fashioned. My dog pooped on the floor today. Oh, uh, so that's I not too bad up. at all. You know, no, 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 that's, that's fine. like that's a normal a thing. That's a multi-time daily low. Yeah. I squeezed it into the low spot. I don't know. I don't know all the rules about this game, but it feels <laughs> like it fits still. Um, and Buffalo. Okay. I got, uh, I got, uh, I'm excited. But I got invited to uh, play a round of golf on Sunday today, and I haven't played golf in about 15 years. Not like a serious, like full 18. So that's I think that fits as a wild card too. No, no that's, idea what's going to happen. Good luck. That sounds uh, sounds interesting. All right, I'll go. So uh, my high is uh, one of my business partners, the CEO of Growth Assistant, Adrian, who's actually been one of my best friends in seventh grade. She uh, just closed on a house in St. Louis and is actually moving back to St. Louis. Uh, and I, like her and I came to the office together today and I was like, just, I was excited. We've, as I've gotten this new stuff going, it's been, you know, kind of a distributed team structure with a few people more, you know, St. Louis being kind of the majority and just felt cool to like be around people and be building again. So that was my high. Uh, my low is, you know, Kahani, the business where I'm spending most of my time right now, it's, it'll be fun to talk about it a little bit, but like, you know, we're trying to figure out, we're in kind of that confusion state of startups where we're like, we think we have something big here. We're not exactly sure how it's going to become huge. There's lots of positive signals, but there's negative things. And we're trying to sort through that. And it's just, you know, I think the team's getting a little bummed and that's, that's kind of a low. And then the Buffalo is, uh, it was my, my daughter's sixth birthday yesterday, which is a Buffalo in and of itself, just an exciting time. It's her golden birthday. It was April 6th. But uh, we took them out to my, my son and her and my wife to dinner and they just learned what photo bombing is. <laughs> um, and so every time we try to take a picture, the other, you know, they'd be like, photo bomb! And they would jump in and, and they like, they could not stop laughing. And you know that like uncontrollable child laughter where, yeah. and to the point where my wife, my first, my wife and I were like, stop doing that. And then we were just, we both just started laughing too because we were like, this is hilarious. It's, like it's, they, it's hilarious how hilarious they think it is. You know, like they think it's hilarious. And then my son was like, "Can you can you Google photobombing examples so I can see what?" <laughs> the, like, and so I did it, and actually, it's kind of hilarious to see 
there's a bunch of there's a library in the internet of, of people photobombing. <laughs> no, he's uh, like, so I can just come up with ideas of ways yeah, photobomb better. Hundred percent. You know, I like 100%. I I like the initiative. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm just you know trying to brainstorm here. Totally. Yeah. Oh no, that's fun. How how old is your son? My son will be eight in June. Okay, so he's older. Yeah. So yeah. Mine are, my kids are, I also have a six-year-old daughter. Uh, but yeah, like at that age, it's just, yeah, the laughter is just, and it could be the same joke over and over, you know, like lots of times. And yeah. they'll think it's funny every single time. Um, yeah. So, okay. So I want to get into it a little bit. I have a few questions for you uh, that I want to start out with. So I, so, so right now, what businesses, like, let's just be, cause, cause you've done Ampush in the past, but I think it's pretty clear you've sold Ampush and you're no longer involved in Ampush, right? Correct. Okay. And then Gateway, uh, it's still in early stage. Like, are you actually like involved with Gateway? Are you working with on Gateway with like somebody else who, who's mainly doing the executing or yeah, what, what's happening? Yeah. So, so Gateway X is kind of a, a, venture studio holding company sort of an umbrella for all of my ventures that's kind of how i, I think see. about it okay and so it doesn't really it technically doesn't have any employees right now um it you know but it, it owns a part of each company that i start i see through, and i own it obviously right so i basically own each each set, a set of companies and you know the the vision for it like let's say the 10-year vision is there's I don't know, five to 15 companies, maybe more than that, you know, but probably not, not too many more. Right. They're all sort of uh, operating under a, a sort of unique culture. That's the Jesse culture, right or wrong, kind of the way I believe right. you should build businesses. Uh, they all are, they could be any kind of capitalization. I think like they could be venture back. They might be bootstrapped. But they, but they are all businesses that you know have had their own version of success. They don't have to fit like one. They don't all have to be venture outcomes. They could be yeah. profitable cash flow businesses, and other ones could be venture outcomes. So, sort of agnostic, but capital light generally. Like we're not trying to start businesses that take a hundred million dollars to prove out if they can work right. or not. Uh, and then the third thing is they all leverage my unfair advantage in some way, uh, and and I think of those as sort of my knowledge base, my expertise, as area like which tend to be really two things either customer acquisition, which I did for 10 years and know it extremely well and did it for the best businesses and brands or solving problems that brands and marketers have, which is also something I spent a lot of time doing and selling things into brands and marketers. And so, you know, we've launched three uh, so far. We're going to launch a fourth pretty shortly here, uh, which I'm happy to talk about. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see, you know, and, and, and I'm sort of, you know, we'll see how it, it all kind of plays out, but I'm sort of playing the free safety across all of them while we have leaders running them, but that unique culture built in. So that's, gotcha. that's kind of what the vision is for Gateway X. And one of the moments of the vision will be a young person who says, I want to be an entrepreneur one day, instead of joining McKinsey or Goldman Sachs says, I'm going to go join Gateway X because that place is going to teach me how to be an entrepreneur and a founder. Right. And that's what we're the best of the world of teaching people how to do. And, I'm I'm like as excited about the culture in the organization as I am about any business or about making a dollar. So do you um are you the acting CEO? So that's that's uh Gateway X and then we've got you've got growth assistant and Kahani. Are you the acting CEO, like a president? Are you are you involved in ops on on Kahani or Growth Assistant, or are you kind of like just free safety across all of these companies? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm the the chairman of Growth Assistant and the chairman of Unbloat, or Unco is actually the bigger name for it, which mm -hmm. is a D2C brand we launched about a year ago. Ooh, um, I, I know about, about that, that one. Yeah. I know, I, I got all kinds of surprises. Um, <laughs> and then Kahani, I'm the CEO. 
Um, so that's kind of what my plate looks like. Okay. That's a lot to unpack. Uh, and so I think the first thing I want to unpack is like, like how, how, like you just told me you have a wife, you have two kids and you have like, like what does your day look like I, to me? Okay. So, and I'll just, I'll, I'll level with you because maybe this will just turn into a therapy session. Like in, and I feel like maybe a lot of high driven, like high achieving people are like this, you know, if this is you and you're listening to the Twitter space or whatever, hop into the chat and ask your questions because I honestly want to know how, like I've heard things like when, like already in this interview, you've said, Oh, this is a game I play with my kids over dinner. And I'm like, you're, you're like doing dinner every night. Like when you've got this many companies and, and maybe I'm just like not as good of a parent. Right. Like, and that, that totally could be it. I've, I've met other people before that I'm like, I mean, I'm going to just level with you. You're like a better dad than I am. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, like, I, yeah. How are you doing all this? Like, what does your day look like? I'm guessing really busy, but like, is it controlled chaos? Is it chaos chaos? Is this something that you're like, oh yeah, I give this a lot of intentionality or is this something you do struggle with? Uh, yes. I think is the answer to all your questions. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't think it's one like, or the yeah. other. <laughs> I, I can tell you the details. Like, you know, I, yeah. my, my, here's my daily schedule, my weekly schedule. Are you going to tell? Uh, okay. I'll just tell it to you. I mean, you want to know, good. right? That's so, pretty good. Okay, yeah. So I, I wake up on, I wake up probably between seven and 8 a.m. most days on Monday, let's say. Uh, Monday, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll get ready. I have a short routine. Maybe I'll meditate or stretch or something. Get ready. Go, go in. I'm usually working at my desk or somewhere by, about nine o'clock. Okay. Um, I'm pretty intense from nine to six. Like it's hard to get a minute with me for, for myself or anybody, which is not ideal. I'm trying to change that as we speak, which we can talk about. Well, to, to give you an idea, uh, I think with your assistant or somebody, we decided to do this podcast, uh, I want to say in January. Um, and, and this is when it's been rescheduled to multiple times. Right. So she's probably just yeah. taking care of that for you. Uh, but yeah, like it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and, and so, yeah, the, exactly. And so that, I'm like nine to six on Mondays. I'm home by six fifteen, six thirty. We do family dinner. I do bedtime with my kids on Mondays, uh, Tuesdays in the mornings. I I'm usually in a little bit later cause I take my kids to school in the morning. And then I have Tuesdays and Thursdays are my late nights. So I'm, I'm, I can do business dinners those nights. I play tennis those nights pretty often. Uh, but those are the nights where I'm not going to get home. Like I'm not going to see anyone at home. And that kind of gives me a little bit of freedom to, 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 to have nights where I'm going to be late and like, I'm just not going to be there and everyone knows. Yeah. And then Wednesday looks a lot like Monday. Uh, Thursday looks a lot like Tuesday. Oh. And then Fridays I, I try to cut out, you know, around five o'clock. And so I, you know, it, I'll get back online after my wife sleeps usually every night at about 10 o'clock or 10 30 mm -hmm. and I'll at least knock out email or one, one thing that I have to get done. And then I'm probably sleeping around midnight. And then Sundays I usually work for about five or six hours, just kind of usually planning, prepping, uh, and so on and so forth. So that's kind of what my calendar looks like. And it is, it is busy during the week. I'm actually trying to cut that down depending on what I'm doing. That's another thing we can talk about. Like, I'm in the process of overhauling a lot of part of my actually that time that I what I spend on. But depending on what zone I'm in, like am I if, or right now for Kahani, for example, we're trying to really crack the nut on product market fit. And it turns out I just can't be scheduled all the time and make that work. Because when yeah. I'm scheduled all the time, I'm reacting to things other people are doing. Right. I'm editing their work. I'm checking in on things. That's not how you crack a product. You crack a product by sitting in a room going, this is the thing we should go build. Let's go build it. And so right now I'm actually 
trying to rip my mornings so that m- nobody can book anything in my mornings for the next six months. Do you, um, so I, mean, I guess I'm very intentional is, is like to answer your question. Um, I've heard you, but yeah, there's a lot going on. I've heard, I've heard you say you're an Enneagram seven. Do you know your Myers-Briggs type? So uh, the reason yeah. I ask is because I, I, I have a strong, I have mixed feelings on the Enneagram. Like anytime I take an Enneagram test, it's like, you might be a two or a five or a seven or a nine or a six. I'm like, that's most the numbers. Like you said more than half the numbers. I can't be that many. Um, I'm an ENTP. I'm an ENTP as well. I was just going to say, uh, you have the very ENTP vibe. All right. So sorry, a little sidetrack. Um, so what you just said basically was like, okay, you, you're pretty nine to five, maybe nine to seven. What did you, what did you say? Monday, Wednesday looks like home Tuesday, around. Thursdays. I'm more like nine to eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah, I'm getting on, on. Yeah. Do you sleep seven, eight hours a night? Probably. I can look at my Jeez. Bit, but seven ish. Jeez. You're, you're doing so. Okay. Well, how do you get it all done? Right. And I think that you, you called out a good point that like sometimes sometimes some things require that you just go down the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Right. And especially cracking a product or cracking acquisition um, or something like that, like cracking like a, a, any type of marketing sales campaign. Sure. I feel like sometimes when I crack that kind of stuff, it's like you, it's like 1130 at night or midnight when I'm just like, not uh, not necessarily free of distractions but like i don't know i just thought of something a minute ago and then i just came to my computer and started messing around and started like went down the rabbit hole looking at different numbers or whatever and then that gave me another idea or that brought another piece of the puzzle and it's just like you just gotta kind of follow down the rabbit hole a little bit sometimes to do certain job functions um so i mean it sounds like your zone of genius is really acquisition and well actually i don't know maybe it's leadership maybe it's just everything but um, no, it's, it's definitely not everything. I mean, I, I think product is not an area that I'm I'm super strong in necessarily. Like I have, I'm not very detail oriented. Like I, I could tell you all the things that I'm, I'm either developing on or or I've made a baseline. I, I think, I think maybe the question, John, you're asking is like, yeah, what? How have I been able to kind of do this? It's been maybe two two years roughly since all this got underway. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of bunch of interesting parts to it. I think. One is I have a high tolerance for for mistakes and screw ups. Okay. And if you're going to do a lot of this stuff like this, you're going to run this hard. A lot of stuff is going to break. And if you're if you're a perfectionist or you have every time something you don't want things to break, you're constantly trying to not you know. It's like if I'm holding a, a very delicate vase and I'm running across the the room, I got to realize that that's going to break it more often than me walking very slowly and holding it very carefully, right? Yeah. And, and so I'm just very comfortable. And then I, I'm, I'll, I'll, what I also also good at is I'm like, just like I play tennis, I can, I might lose, I usually lose the first two out of three games I play someone before a set and then I'll win the set very often. And yeah. it's cause I'm like, oh shit. Okay. This guy is, he's really good at hitting my back. Like I, I'm very good at adjusting though. And so that's a hallmark for how I build business is that I'm just like, a lot of people are afraid to go make the mistakes or they're afraid to jump into things. I'm like, let's go jump in a bunch of stuff. Oh, that's not working. That's not working. Let's stop that. Let's stop that. So that's a really important sort of part of the way that I've run things and lead things. You know, the, the second one, which maybe is the first one is like, I surround myself with very, 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 very good, strong people and I empower them and I delegate them. And, you know, it's none of this would work without a lot of trust between a lot of people and a yeah. lot of, uh, you know, communication. Um, you know, the third thing is like, I have a health of, even though I'm an ENTP or a type seven, 
I also went to Wharton and grew up at Walden Wall Street. Like I have a, I have a very healthy respect for numbers, data, structure. Yeah. I'm not the one you want to necessarily be the guy, you know, structure, yeah. clipboard carrying guy, but I really <laughs> appreciate and respect the clipboard carriers. And I, and I respect, it's funny. I tell people on my team, the ones who are, I'm like, Hey, you can ping me if I'm behind and you know, I'm okay with that. Like, it's actually my love language or something to go, Hey, you know, you need to get this done. And I'm like, Oh, thank yeah. you. I will go get it done. So I actually, everything gets run by numbers, data. I'm, you know, empower those who have the numbers and the data. Um, and so, you know, those are three, three thoughts. I'm sure there's other things, but those are definitely three of them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, really what I'm trying to get into is like, uh, I don't feel like I could get everything done that I'm trying to get done in a day with that kind of schedule. And, and specifically, I don't feel like I could do everything I need to do in order to achieve what I'm trying to achieve with that kind of schedule. Yeah. Right. And that, that's like the more what, important. What are you trying to achieve? Yeah. That's like the more important thing. Right. And, but, but I think a lot of it has to do as I'm listening with you, listening to you, I'm trying to achieve a certain thing. Right. Okay. Like we're, what we're really trying to grow is our media companies, right. Our right. podcasts and stuff like that. We have another podcast that's a sports podcast. That one might even actually be a little bigger and higher potential than modern commerce. Um, that's what we're, I'm really trying to achieve. But also, I got to keep the lights on. I got to pay the bills. I got to, like, we're bootstrapping. And so maybe we get into the bootstrapping conversation because one of the things I just heard from you is that a lot of this has to do with the people. And, like, you know, with where you're describing where you're at with Kahani right now, you're, you, there's got to be some source of funding, I'm guessing, in order for you to have the team to be able to take everything. And, like, it, basically, I think I'm saying that I'm probably understaffed and I'm doing the job mm. of a lot of people, which I think is a common solopreneur, maybe even entrepreneur problem, um, especially sure. for bootstrappers. Uh, and, and that's, that's probably like really what it is. And that, so, so if you're going to sit across companies like you are, yeah. it probably doesn't, it's probably not going to be great for your outside relationships. If you're not able to f like put some kind of team on the field, you know? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think the other thing I, I, like, I always spend a lot of time and we could do this with you, John is like. Most of the time when I'm meeting with Adrian or Carolyn who runs the brand, most of the time I'm looking at a list of 10 things and I'm chopping nine of them off for them. Hmm. What do you mean? I'm saying, you know, Carolyn and I walked through all the stuff for a D2C brand today. We talked about how to think about inventory. There's return rates. Should we, um, should we focus on getting our one-time purchasers to purchase the three pack? You know, and we talked about Facebook creative and we literally just sat there and said nitty gritty things. Okay. And I kind of said, I said, yeah, I see how you could get totally spread across this. And we went through yeah. and I said, let's talk about ROAS. Let's talk about margins. What's the one, you can only do one thing next week. What are you going to do to actually improve that? And yeah. the answer became like develop five to seven ad creative for Facebook that you think are going to get a better, like based on all the things you've learned and double and triple down there. And, and that was the end of the, and you know, the meeting she goes, wow, thank you. Like I, I have clear, like, because I think most of us, we really struggle with not prioritizing and not actually saying no to a lot of different things. And I think most businesses, especially early on, they don't, there's this whole thing of compounding and stuff, which I agree with after a business is at a certain place, but early on, I think businesses really, they went on one thing. The amount of D2C brands I've seen that basically were $25 million companies and Facebook was their only channel and 80% of Facebook <laughs> was one creative. 
I, I like I have I don't have enough fingers and toes. And the reason is, but that's actually there's a really good lesson there, right? Which is, yeah, they got the one they got the right things right. They got the one thing right that mattered to actually scale their business up. And yeah. I think most of the entrepreneurs who don't go anywhere are getting five things okay instead of one thing really, really right. So one way that I also do this is I try my best to like triage that stuff and not spend a lot of time on the things that like here's a silly example for growth assistant. Yeah. Adrian is a, she's a type six on the Enneagram and her and I are fun compliments. She's a warrior. She thinks about everything that could go wrong. She's constantly, you know, which also makes her great at talent business, right? Which is part of the unfair advantage. We have such great talent at growth assistant, but in the first like few, few months, she was like, shouldn't we figure out if this is legal? Shouldn't we figure out if we need insurance? Shouldn't we? And I was like, nope, we don't need to figure any of that stuff out. Let's not figure any of it out until we're doing 2 million in revenue or yeah. something because let's figure cares? out you know, product market fit first. Yeah. Or what, like, yeah. That, that, but, but I think that stuff happens in like in big and small ways. Like with Carolyn and I, we we found out, I was like, what's your, in your best wildest dreams, if you reactivate a bunch of one-time purchasers, what's your incremental revenue going to be from that? And we calculated that it was like 10% of what one Facebook champion would be if we figured that out, right? And so it's just constantly looking at the business through that lens of ICE, which is like impact, confidence, ease, yeah. and, and cutting off a bunch of stuff and saying everything that doesn't make the top two or three, we're not going to do. Yeah, we use the ICE, the ICE model a lot. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how would, you re how would you rate yourself as a husband and a father? Ooh, that's a great question. I want to ask my, my my wife this and my kids. I'd probably say eight eight out of ten on Ooh, father and good. seven out of ten on wife. The kids get a little more, huh? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that's pretty natural. They, they've known me for less time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. The the what? There's a little more grace with the wife. Yeah. Well, I think I think. Well, you're still seven out of ten. Seven out of ten is still pretty good, probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, solid. I think I think one thing I've, I practice a lot, and I'm not perfect, but, I, but I've gotten a lot better over the years is in the moment being present. And it turns out you can actually have a pretty hectic day and schedule and meetings. And, you know, I do two date nights a week with my wife. That's really good. Um, Wednesdays and Saturdays. We have, you know, we have... Uh, Just have a, a babysitter list. comes or... We have an all pair who lives with us, right? Which is, which is a great uh, game-changing thing, which I recommend if you have the space. Yeah. Um, and so we have that built into the calendar and it's like, yeah, look, if I, if I can go to dinner with her for two hours twice a week and my phone, I put my phone, my phone is like either in my pocket or in the car. Cause I just don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. and then I go, okay, like, let's actually catch up. How are you? How's the, you know? And, and then that, that's like, might be all you need, you know? Uh, it's pretty good. Do you, so next question, is there anything in your life that you rate yourself a 10 out of 10 in effort, meaning I know I'm doing everything I can for that thing. And, and not like everything you can't, not like the everything that's realistic, but everything you know you should be doing. Does that make sense? Right. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll give an example. Fitness, fitness and health is always a good example, usually for grown people of this, yeah. where it's like, yeah, I work out probably not as much as I should. You know, I eat healthy, probably not about, not as good as I should be. Is there anything in your life that you're like, I do this, I do everything for this thing? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just a, a personal thing, like we're never satisfied or uh, uh, for me, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I think I, I would give myself a high marks on 
lots of seven or eights that in aggregate get close to a 10 in terms right. of life. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm giving CB effort on a lot of, on a lot of things. Right. And it, yeah. But even it, in life, that might be the right thing to do. You know, I, I like the whole prioritization thing. I think it, it falls into every aspect of, yeah. you know, there's a season to, to prioritize certain things. And, and I think people, I think when people screw that up, I read this book recently called die with zero after the ambush exit. And mm-hmm. like, you know, someone recommend, Hey, this post exit, it's a great book. You know, like what, what are you going to do with, with, with what you've gotten and your big, your big winnings. And a lot of what he talks about is the die with zero is a bit provocative, but a lot of what he talks about is doing the right stuff in your life at the right time. Right. Like don't wait to, you know, till you're 65 and you have bad knees to try to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. Even right. if you're not, not quite in the right financial situation, like go when you're 45 because you can actually do it and be healthy. And like, yeah, I think a classic example, you have young children. So do I, like, I think they deserve our priority right now. And like, mm-hmm. there are going to be a time they're going to be gone. I can go hard when I'm 50. Like I have no, you know, when I turn 50 and they're in college and living their own lives, like, sure. Maybe I'll start, I'll work as hard as I did in my twenties during that time. Would, you know, even still, I mean, your oldest is eight, five, six years from now you know, we'll go eight years from now for your youngest to get to that age too. They're not even going to like want you to go as hard. You know what I mean? Like they're going to want to be doing their own thing more often. Right? Right. So they're only little for a small amount of time. I think that all the time. And then I never execute on that thought. Um, just talking about all of our guilts, right? Or at least mine. Um, I do want to shift gears here to, to the reason people are here and not and stop using this as a John therapy session. Uh, and do a little bit of future casting and where, where you see just generally generally business entrepreneurship going over the next few years. And I want to start it in a, a little bit maybe surprising or different kind of place. Um, and that specifically is like the creator economy. So within our world of modern commerce, what's kind of crazy is I like I started this thing as like a, a really a D2C and marketing podcast. And we have a surprising amount of like creators who listen, right? Who've reached out to me and been like, oh yeah, right. like I'm a creator. And they might they might not be big, right? But like that's what they're trying to be. And they're like, I'm just trying to understand this world better, right? And you guys say all these, and they'll like ask me things like, oh, you said like MER, like what does that mean? You know, like I'm like, oh wow, like I, I just never really thought of that. So Sorry, I kind of sidetracked there, but I have some specific thoughts and ideas around where I think we're sort of going, you know, with the creator economy. You are a person who's very intentional about your time. And that's maybe all of that was to establish. You're very intentional about your time. You're very like good at saying no, right? You you're you're intentional about what you say no to. Maybe I don't think I am funny enough, but yeah. You're you're that it's something you're aware of. You're not just a like I've met, you meet some people and it's like, Hey, like, have you heard of no, like maybe you should think about that a little bit. So you're aware of, but mm-hmm. yet you do make an effort to grow a personal brand somewhere, right? Like you've got, you're, you're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, you've got a pretty big personal brand there. Um, you do, you do the podcast and, and one could say like, those don't have like a direct serving of your core business models. Um, or maybe they do, but like, yeah, I'm, I, I guess that's my question is like, why is it that you do that? And do you think that that actually has to do with like your opinions on where we're going sort of with creator economy? What what V2 or V3 of the creator economy is? Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think in my case, well, I'll talk about why I do it. I think um, there's kind of the spiritual side and the commercial side. I was split it up, right? Like, I spent a lot of time spiritually thinking about why, what my purpose is and, and sort of my gift to the world. And I think I love, lo- love helping other people learn and grow. 
and be the best versions of themselves. And, and I think entrepreneurship and business is similar to running a marathon or competing in the Olympics. It's a really hard thing to do. And it lends itself to a lot of personal growth reflection. And so to me, those two things come together. If I can share, if I can help other people learn and grow <clears throat> through entrepreneurship, like I'm, I'm all about that. And, and that's why I think spiritually or the energy behind Twitter or the podcast is like, I'm talking about something that I feel purpose and passion behind. And it, it's sort of, it's example of something that doesn't feel like work for me. Uh, so that's the, this, the, the spiritual side. The commercial side is like, someone's like, Hey, Jesse, you're pretty good with words. You know, you were public. Uh, I did a lot of public speaking in high yeah. school and stuff. And uh, you're good at explaining things. And you, 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 again, you're passionate about this subject matter. Like, you could probably use that to grow businesses. And, and, you know, the three things I'd say most prevalent are get commercial, like get leads or uh -huh. things, which we you know Twitter's a huge source of leads for growth assistant Kahani. You can, okay. you can, you can probably use it to get a lot of great talent, which I think half the talent that works for me came through those channels okay. uh, or certainly thought I was more legit after they saw those channels. And then the third thing is like any kind of interesting deals, whether me sourcing capital or me making investments, and so you've got these three very hard commercial things that, that that public presence does. So that's sort of how I've thought about it. Um, yeah. In terms yeah, of where yeah. the creator, creator economy is going, you know, I, I don't actually have great, strong perspectives on it. I, I think it's going to be much more interesting as a new type of job and labor category than it is necessarily right. for lots of people making lots of money. Um, I think it's going to become a cool job for like, 10,000 millions of people potentially. I agree. I think I, th and that, that is in my thought as well, that I think that companies are actually just going to start. I mean, you look at like the barstool sports model where like they literally just hire people to be personalities. Right. And that, that's not a new thing. TV has been doing that for years, right? Actors have been that for a long time. Uh, but it's just a, a different iteration of it. Whereas what it's been, I think what V1 of it was, was like, grow your grow your personal brand on whatever platform you want to grow your personal brand on and then figure out how to monetize it somehow right whether that is uh yeah. your own company or people paying you and in d2c i would say like very simply in direct to consumer it was very much like somebody grows a instagram following or some kind of following you pay them to post about your product um and like that's kind of going by the wayside where it's just the economics of that aren't working as much anymore um either because creators, influencers want too much money or they've inflated their following somehow or, or, or something like that. Right. Um, but I do think that there's a whole world that we're going to step into. That's maybe the V2 or V3 version where instead of what was that, what was the uh, D2C brand that you mentioned earlier? Uh, on the one we started Unbloat. Yeah. Yeah. Unbloat you said? Yeah. Yeah. So instead of maybe Unbloat doing pay for posts, like uh, they might do something that's more like, oh, we're going to, we're going to make the influencer. We're going to hire somebody to be a content creator. Um, and I think that it's actually a little more aligned either if you own the company, or if you're actually like the whole point is to be this internal creator. I agree. I think right. it's going to be like an interesting job for a lot of people, a lot of digital natives, Gen Zers. That's what they have to look Yeah. For. I also think they're, they're like a lot of things. There's a lot of people it has to be something that you you spiritually enjoy or you you get some sort of gratitude gratification out yeah. of otherwise like there's a lot of people who are like who don't want to do it and they're like beating themselves up and so i have to write threads and i have to do this and it's like man if you don't enjoy doing it it's like anything like any business it's too hard it's yeah. it's too involved it takes a lot of out of you and so 
I think it, that's the other thing is like, I don't think it's for everyone. In fact, I don't think it's for most people. Um, I agree. And I, I think that's like, it's too much. It's a little bit of a hype cycle in that, have, from have, my perspective. Have you ever met somebody who is like really like had a really big like info, like somebody big in like a Ryan Dice or Frank Kern or like those kinds mm -hmm. of people who've been really big in the info space? Um, it's interesting. A lot of them are, are, uh, hesitant celebrities right like they they grew this personal brand and they ran ads for themselves and with themselves in them and stuff like that so that they could really what they were trying to do is just build a business and sell a course and stuff like that and then people started seeing them in the grocery store and recognizing them and seeing them out in the world and recognizing them and they're like i don't like that at all right um or or like it got to this point where it's like oh i just my whole job is that i have to have a thought on everything all the time and like i just don't want to you know um so i agree i think it actually as much as I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's great. Like you're going to get paid to be a creator, you know, if you believe my speculation. Um, I think it's like, well, you know, be ready for the double edged sword of that. I think it's one thing when you're kind of trying to do it and it's on the side of something that you're already doing and it's just a part of your day. Uh, but when it's like that's your whole job and you got to create something. And I mean, we could get into some of the people I know on Twitter. It, like they'll have a tweet that doesn't do as bit much as they think it should do. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong? Like, is it the Twitter algorithm or do I just suck? You know, like, and it is, right? It's just like this very kind of roller coaster sort of thing. So yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that a lot of people are as built for it as maybe they think they are. See, it sounds like a really fun job, but I think you yeah. gotta be built for it, like anything. Yeah, I, I think there's gonna be a lot of fix and shovels businesses too sold to in people, influencers. Like you already see these ads for like, the one-stop influencer kit, you know? Yep. Yeah. And uh, like- Go and monetize your following in three months. Yeah. Insurance influencers, like, you know, like insurance products to them because they're not going to be full-time employees or quite business owners, <laughs> et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, so the, I think there'll be a lot of that. I think the, you know, you already see it on Twitter and you see it in, in some of the Instagram things. Like trust is what kind of drives some of this stuff and makes it really important. And so- yeah. You know, if you're if you're overly pimping out your brand or even I've like tried to figure out the right balance between it's me just for sharing content and things versus like plugging growth assistant, like yeah. it's you have to find that balance because it, there really is one. And so I think yeah, I think it's gonna also be a power law. You're gonna have one one percent is the Kim Kardashians, you know, they're they can uh -huh. just launch billion dollar companies, ten percent maybe maybe I'm in or you're in, you know, like you can do certain things, then you have this really long tail of, of sort of like the micro right um, and and their value is really just in the actual literal content that they could create that can be maybe, yeah. you know if if that if there's any value at all um no it it, it reminds me a lot of uh i was an athlete and i was like a, a distance runner so that's what i i ran in in college i was a all-american and I, I ran a little bit professionally afterwards and it's like the most top heavy sport ever right so so the very best three in the country who make the olympic team They'll make quite a bit of money and not like an NFL player kind of money, but like they might like if you win an Olympic medal and you're an American a distance runner, you might make three, four, five million dollars in a year. Um, then there's me who's probably I was like top. There were times I was like top 20 in my event in the country. And I made like five grand a year. Right, right. Uh, just because there's just not that much interest. Right. And so that, that I think it's kind of the same thing when it's like, it's going to be, it could be a very top heavy thing. Um, or it could just be like a, you know, people might like, I, I have a 
D2C brand I'm working with right now that they're like thinking about, well, why don't we just like hire someone there in, in Phoenix? Why don't we just hire some kid from ASU to just like come be your TikTok person all the time? Yeah. Right? Like, just come walk around our warehouse and make TikToks. And I'm like, yeah, like what a weird job. You know what I mean? Like, with like nobody yeah. about like that. It reminds me, there's, there's an entrepreneur named Russ Braden who's is like a friend. And when I was 25, I, I kept saying, we're just going to do this. We're just going to do this. And he told me just is the most dangerous four letter word in the entrepreneur's dictionary. Because right. <laughs> people say that and then they hire the kid and the kid shows up and doesn't actually know anything about the product or, you know, it's, and it's funny because those everything takes cycles and management and attention. Yeah. Nothing just kind of works, you know. And, no, and, just because they're 20 years old doesn't mean that they actually know how to effectively use TikTok and like grow it furthermore effectively leverage it into something that's of any kind of business value you know right. uh so, so i want to move on a little bit and, and ask so i mean you're looking at a venture studio with what you're doing with gateway x are you is it a lot of stuff like growth assistant where you're like i think with growth assistant you're kind of doing that because you're like i'm very bullish on this idea that like this kind of thing is helpful and will only become more helpful and useful and used it as like in the next iterations of what we're seeing with digital businesses right or uh, location independent businesses i don't know what to call them i feel like i'm doing like a gender thing here like location independent no i think they're just talent marketplace i mean you know or or there's an old school term of them which is bpo business process outsourcing yeah and it just they hadn't touched marketing yet i mean you know what what i saw we had built a captive version of this inside of ampush and I would get a lot of pings from the Ampush alumni. A lot of the Ampush alumni went to real go quick, work real at, quick. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Explain uh, what Growth Assistant is, so that yeah. Sure, then, sure, sure. Yeah. So, so we, Growth Assistant goes to startups, brands, and agencies who have marketing teams and have marketing operations. And oftentimes, yeah. as anyone who's listening who's done any kind of marketing knows. There's a ton of operational, you know, manual work, for lack of a better word. You want to go reach out to influencers. You got to find a list of them. You got to ping 20 a day. You got to follow yeah. up. Like there's a lot of, a lot stuff of leg work. that maybe a lot of legwork and a lot, you know, typically a junior coordinator might do. And, you know, what we, the, the, the thesis of the business is like that stuff, you know, can now be done in a, in a post COVID world way better by global talent and way cheaper by global talent. So, you know, we'll charge, 2,500 to 3,500 a month for a full-time person who's embedded in the team. And they will do, you know, we have three different types. Typically we'll have like a campaign management type who will look at reporting data, help, help whoever's running the Facebook ads, upload the campaigns, design or video editing is a very common role. And then any kind of like outreach influencer orientation. So we started that business two years ago this month or two years ago in February. And we have 250 people in the Philippines across 80 different clients here in the U.S. and, and a few in Europe. Um, and so it's grown like crazy. I mean, it's grown like a weed. And, and you know, the, the, the waves of, of outsourcing and offshoring, there was like engineering 25 years ago. Everyone realized, hey, there's people in India, and Eastern Europe that can write code. Let's ship it out there. Then there was this customer service wave where people realized people in the Philippines, people in India, they can do customer service. And I think digital marketing is going to be one of the part of the third wave of, of sort of yeah. global talent and offshoring and outsourcing. And so uh, that's what that's what Growth Assistant does. And, and you know, we discovered it really because we built a version of that inside of my first company. And again, I was saying our alumni go, a lot of them are running growth and marketing at brands. 
Yeah. And they would call me and go, is there anything that exists like that? Because I miss it. I used to use it when I was at Ampush all the time. And I'd say, you tell me. They'd say no. And I'm like, man, I should start that business at some point. And, and that's how it came to be. Yeah. So specifically, I think uh, what's helpful about it is it's like, like as, as someone who sits where I sit, where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I sort of do like some fractional CMO stuff and I do, and it, like I was mentioning earlier, I do a lot of stuff to pay the bills that isn't part of the big vision. Right. But like, uh, I, I sit across a few different e-commerce brands. Um, and I really love doing that, but it's like, I can't really get into the legwork of, you know, making 30 iterations of your ads and stuff like that. Right. Uh, exactly. It, it, it's right. Like somebody who can be that assistant and who it's like, you don't have to explain to them. I'm like, oh, here's how you use Canva. And, you know, here's what an iteration is. <laughs> and here's why we're doing that. Um, so like kind of that sort of, I, I see it. Somebody explained it to me like, oh, I, I think it's like a, and they, I don't think they were fully clear on the service, but this is how they explained it to me. And I was like, that's a great value prop. So idea for you if you if you haven't dialed this yet uh somebody explained it to me like oh i think it is a service where they provide assistance to like cmos and vps of marketing specifically right so it's like an ea but for specifically those executives right. um and i was like that's a great idea because that's the biggest problem with an ea is that they like don't get half the stuff that i'm talking about you know and then i have to explain that to them and i'm like this isn't helpful um so yeah i mean i think uh, it's a good service. Any, anyway, but back to my original question, I, are you like, do you, do you do a lot of speculating in future casting as you think about the businesses that you're getting into? Because I think Kahani as well, which is like, you know, if I'm going to give you, and, and this is, you're saying, we're still trying to dial the value prop. It, it is essentially taking the, the video live shopping experience sort of that people experience on TikTok, Instagram, things like that. And like, integrating that more into your website and making it like cooler tech with the idea that ultimately this will drive more conversions and probably more brand affinity. Um, do you do a lot of like, when you decide what ventures am I going to get involved with and grow and start? Is it a lot of like speculating future casting? This is the direction I think we're going, or is it like much more practical than that? Or yeah, I mean, walk me through your process on like how you decide what you what, yeah. what ideas you I want could to probably, I'm, I'm laughing and smiling because like I could probably stand to benefit from having a more structured and rigorous sort of like top down process. I tend to be a little bit, you know, ENTP I type like seven, like, I, yeah, kind of like a little <laughs> bit. Right. And, and I, I do think there's a mix again, you can see kind of across my brain, even the three businesses we started so far. And there's a fourth one, like growth assistant was a problem. I understood really well. I saw a very clear gap in the market. I saw positive trends around marketing talent needs and global talent and COVID. And I was like, man, this makes a ton of sense. Like, and that like, was a pretty pragmatic idea. It's not a, it's, yeah. I mean, it, there are some good future of worky type parts of it, but it wasn't something I dreamed up. Right. Kahani is kind of the polar opposite. I mean, it's not yeah. totally because it was somebody else's form factor, but I was like, I, I, that was one of the moments where I was like, huh, why doesn't, why is the site experience on, on mobile so crap? Why doesn't it look and feel more like mobile? Like, more, like what we see. Yeah. Why has um, it been the same for 10 years when devices have changed so much? And, and also a little bit of the future casting where I was like, what's this going to look like in the future? This yeah. is going to look like the TikTok. It's not going to look like yeah. the old mobile web experience. Now I've, it turns out. I've had this random thing. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I've, no, had, this, please. I've had this prediction for a long time that we're going to have like a like pretty soon at some point. So here's a, here's an idea for somebody, the product you could develop. We're going to have like televisions, mounted televisions that are on mounts that rotate. 
so that they can be either horizontal or vertical because like i think about all the all the videos i'm taking of my kids now like are what used to be called home videos right but now they're these just like micro moments oh. they're all vertical so i'm like oh anytime we want to go watch them we're watching these vertical videos on our on our tv and we're like casting to our tv with them and i'm like oh why doesn't that thing just go like that like and i've like had this idea for a long time so anyway i said all that because it triggered the idea when you were like I think that this experience is going to look different at some point. Somebody's going to, this is going to click for somebody. So why can't it just click for me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, and it's funny because the, I have not pitched Kahani to a single customer who said, you're wrong, Jesse, that's a dumb idea. Right. Every single person has said, you're totally right. This is a no brainer. I just it's don't want so to be first. obvious. Well, we have plenty of customers. We have right. you know, 20, 30 customers. But, but then they kind of go, then, uh, you know, I, I had this so funny. I showed this to the team recently. It was, it was, uh, one of the customers, he, he actually also works the growth assistant and he was like, this is a no brainer, Jesse. This is such a good idea. He went on for five minutes about how has no one else thought of this. <laughs> and then I was like, I've been pinging him. I'm like, Hey, let's get it going. He's like, I got a lot going on on my plate right now, man. I'm, I'm totally, I'm going to do it. Know. Just give me a month. Just give me another month. You know, we've got two other things that popped up. And so what we're seeing and, and the, the challenge that we're running into there, which I think is common and, and one of the risks of future casting is it's sort of the classic, it's a solution chasing a problem. Like it problem. There isn't growth. assistance solves a very acute problem. problem I need to reach out now. to influencers. I need to get reporting aggregated because I'm, I'm, I'm busy. Uh, Kahani is like this really cool thing that everybody loves. And yet because it's not solving a specific problem for anybody, and where yeah. the people who have jumped on it have already in their minds, I want to take my social content. I've invested a lot in it and I want it to live on my website. Yeah. And I think when people watch my social content, we have a, a great customer called Alleyoop. They're a, a beauty site, meetalleyoop.com. You can check out. I was going to say basketball apparel, but that's all right. Yeah, no, you, you, it won't change your mind, but it will change probably <laughs> a, a woman's mind to see what the makeup's going to look like on them. And right. Um, they, well, they, when people watch their videos, their content on their site, their conversion rate skyrockets because their, their videos are so good at explaining the product and showing what it's going to look like. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of backing our way through a nifty idea into actual real problems, which are in there, in this case, maybe it's conversion, maybe it's reversing that content, but uh, we have to go find real problems. And, and I think that's one of the big learnings we've had with, with that business and one of the dangers of future casting. Yeah. I, the way that I always say it is, uh, they already know the problem and they already know how to say it, right? So a lot of people are aware that they're like, ah, something's off, I don't know, we're just not not connecting, why this isn't working, our conversion rate's low, I don't really, I guess we could try this, I don't really know what it is, right? And then and then they might even hear ideas like, oh, we could implement this on your site or whatever, I don't know, just, just something's off, they, they know something's off, they know something's not connecting, like, you know, if it were me, I just wouldn't buy because I can't see it, right? They just don't know how to say the problem, right? So sometimes if they're, if they're that far and then you can clarify and say the problem, then it will help, but like, it's a lot easier to sell somebody something where I know what the problem is and I know how to say it. The problem is I need to reach out to more influencer. The problem is I need more traffic. And in order to do that, I need to reach out to more influencers. And you say, hey, we can help you reach out to more influencers. Uh, like it, it just, it's much easier to sell people something like that. And this, I think we run in this, is, you run into this in, in direct to consumer a lot too, where like if you're selling this wallet, oh, it's in my pocket. I'm not going to dig it out of my pocket. If you're selling a wallet, it's a cool wallet, Ridge wallet, for example. Uh, you know, well-known one. 
what are you really selling? Well, you're selling status, but to say you're selling status feels contrived, right? It makes people feel right. like, well, oh, I don't want to buy status. Like I'm not trying to be all vain or whatever. Some people are just like, F it, I don't care. Right. And so it's like, you got to do it in this like weird roundabout way where you say, oh, what's the problem that they're thinking about, but they're not really saying, you know, and how can we like meet them there? A lot of direct to consumer has this issue of like, you know, it, they're not a pro there, there are some products like this, but it's like, most products that that have kind of come up in this direct consumer boom aren't a product where it's like oh you have back pain when you wake up in the morning here's right. a thing that makes back pain go away when you have back pain when you wake up in the morning right totally. like that's not how most of them are and that's just the messaging so much easier when it is that uh so yeah it's it's an interesting problem to have i don't know if i really had a point there i don't know if i can help you but <laughs> uh yeah so so uh, I, I remember my original question though. With what you're doing with with Gateway X, are you really trying to like make these mostly ventures that you're starting? Or are you trying to acquire ventures? Yeah, I, I, so far I don't have the the I haven't had the sort of excitement or energy to, to acquire anything. You know, I, I the way I've described it to friends is like if if you told me about my dream house, I would never buy someone else's house and renovate it. Yeah. I would I would get the blueprint and I'd build it from scratch. And so I had a period of time where even investors were throwing money at me going, do a roll up, Jesse. Yeah. You know, you're the guy. You can buy up these businesses. And and I and I went and actually uh, talked to this is how I actually started Gateway X. I, I my goals in Q one of twenty twenty one were like start I launched my own D C brand, but we like with my own hands and, and fingers just to figure out what that felt like and looked like. I went and met 50 companies that I could potentially acquire, including D2C brands, including SaaS businesses, including some services businesses. Uh, and I got growth assistant off the ground. That was kind of my first quarter of, of, of uh, and I, what I was trying to figure out was what got me excited and gave me energy. Um, and that's another cool thing about keeping myself pretty busy is that I can see where my energy naturally gravitates towards and, and honor it and be honest about it. When I'm doing this and not less excited and, when I'm doing and this. And I was, I was more excited to chase down suppliers, you know, for, for the e-com brand for, than I was to talk to the CEO of a $10 million revenue, million dollar EBITDA B2C brand. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know why I just, that's, that's kind of how I felt. And so, you know, look, I, I, I think in five or 10 years, if the culture is built out and we're really good at, you know, launching a bunch of growth marketing stuff, or we're really good at taking a, an expensive headcount business and putting offshore talent into it. Like, and I think there's obvious M and A opportunities where we can be transformative to an acquisition. I would definitely consider it. Yeah. But I'm not. It, it, as it stands, I, I think I'm much more preferential to to building businesses. Gotcha. I appreciate you. So, what I want to move into now is a little bit of a Q and A session, um, and this will only work if the if the people who are on Twitter Spaces will be interactive. So you could do one of two things. There's in like if you're on Twitter Spaces right now, there's a little uh, comment icon thing in the bottom right. You can tap that and put your question into the into the comments, and I can read them. Um, or you can request to join if you're if you're brave enough to request to join. And then uh, Casey, our backstage producer, you just like he can just kind of hold the phone up to the mic, and we can we can hear him um, a little bit janky, but that's all right. That's how we do it. Uh, or if you're on LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever, uh, you can drop your comments there as well. While we're giving people a second to do that though, or drop your questions there. One question I have is, what is it, are there phases to starting a business, right? Like when you're launching something, are there phases to like its idea? Cause I think I've heard you say, I've got like 12 to 15 ideas I'm really excited about right now. 
So like, how does it jump from idea to we're going to try something? There's going to be something that goes, you know, and then how does it go from there's going to be something to go that goes to I'm going to build a team and we're actually going to make a run at this, you know, and it becomes something like a growth assistant or a Kahani. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you how I did it, but I, I can tell you maybe how I would do it in the future. Like, I, I think that's interesting because I feel like I've learned, you know. <laughs> it, it, Not I, how I did it before. That's the main thing. Yeah, yeah well, what we did before, like, before I was like, okay, we have an idea. Let's run as hard as we can to go sell it to someone. Uh-huh. If we have an idea for a supplement, let's go get a landing page up. Let's turn on Facebook ads. It takes us a week and we're going to get signal. Um, and... And I don't care. I'll learn as I go and I'll figure the idea out as I go, which, which generally has worked for me and still works for me. For growth assistant, I was like, call 10 of my former employees who are now running marketing at brands and let's see if they need some people in the Philippines. Let's go get them for them, right? Like every business, I, I could get it going that week. Honey, let's get it on a few sites, see if anyone engages with it. And I think the the I think that's great if you're like when I was 25 and I was like, I can go, you know, I just need to get something going. And I think more often than not, that's the advice I would give anyone to do. I think in my shoes where I have like, I, I have a limited amount of time and resources where I make my bets matters. I think next time I do it, I would probably just do a little bit more market validation than I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more learning about problems that customers potentially have more engaging with actually like getting some qualitative feedback and perspective. I tend to be pretty skeptical of qualitative feedback because most of the time you're talking to someone they're not going to tell you your baby's ugly. You know, that's just not what they do. But if you try to sell them something, the way they behave is very instructive, whether or not you have something real or not. And so I I think going forward, but, but I do think there's, there's, there's like certain things you pick up on. There's certain uh, signals and clues, but I do think for anyone listening, like action is by far the most important thing you can do when you have an idea or something you want to run at. And I think too many people get stuck in the, the procrastination of, of entrepreneurship, which is like thinking about the idea, refining it, ideating it. Like that's more of a problem I see than my problem, which is I go too fast, too hard. And then I'm like, wait, yeah. What? Oh my God. How did I get here this fast? And like, I, I probably should have slowed down and thought a little bit more about this. Yeah. So somebody did have a question here, but I didn't, I wanted to say something about that because I was actually listening to an episode of your podcast, the crazy ones, which is, Definitely, everybody should check that out. A little subtle plug there for you. Uh, and uh, Alex, your co-host, who's the founder of Morning Brew, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I was like, you know what happened in my head? I was like, or was he the founder of The Hustle? No, no, no. That was that was Sam. <laughs> uh, so uh, you guys had an episode where somebody asked, one of your listeners asked, uh, how do you get your first B2B SaaS sale? And as I was listening to your guys' response, you guys were very tactical and nice about it. But my main thought was like, you just, you already know the answer. You'd need to have a conversation with somebody who needs it and then you need to sell it to them. When people are asking questions like that, to your point, like a lot of times people just are not like starting, they're not going. Uh, when people are asking questions like that, they're like doing this thing where you know, they get the LLC set up and they get some things figured out and they listen to some podcasts, but they're not doing the main thing that they need to do because probably in most cases they're they're scared you know to fail they're scared if they actually try to do the idea that's been their kind of baby idea their really good idea their million dollar idea or billion dollar idea and it doesn't work you know and they fail like that's it's going to reflect on their self-worth right so i think that's kind of like the main issue people have is uh not running with it but like for you uh yeah you have like the opposite problem where maybe you run with too many things at once huh I yeah, and I, I think yeah. some vetting and vetting and validation would would 
because I, I do have a unique like a skill that's kind of dangerous which is i can convince most people of things and like yeah this is gonna work and yeah and classic myself, EN, and classic entp yeah. yeah just i can debate you right into believing me um okay so one guy one person on twitter asks uh how do you see the situation in italy right now with open ai you familiar with that and no, I'm not in Italy. So I believe somebody gonna somebody hop in and correct me if I'm wrong in on Twitter. I believe that they have banned Italy specifically has banned like some instances of open AI or, or banned the usage of open AI. Uh, so I, I think the overarching idea here is like government saying, no, we're not gonna like, you know, join this AI revolution because for whatever reason, I don't know the government side of it. They think it's dangerous or we're all monkeys, man. Like, you know, when every new technology comes out, some group of people freak out about it. You know, Uber came out. They did when when computers first came out. The internet came out. People blocked the internet in countries. Um, you know, governments are very conservative places that are very risk or management oriented, and they're gonna. I don't. Know, I wouldn't. I think it's silly. Like things that make life easier and, and technology solves most problems eventually become pretty dominant. There's not much you can do about it. Right. I mean, we, we, uh, we didn't stop the like, you know, progress of the assembly line because it was going to put people out of jobs. It's, I mean, it's a byproduct. I'm sure someone did. I'm sure someone did. Some, yep, I'm sure yeah. some government banned it. And but said, yeah. But in the end, that's a, it's, that's a government that either is now not a, a world power or eventually just adopted it. Right. Um, or had all their production outsourced to another country. Uh, so just generally about AI, though, what are your thoughts here? Because uh, th I've thought about this a little bit and I'm like, I don't mean to be this guy, but I'm like, the more I see what uh, certain instances of artificial intelligence can do, I the more I'm like, oh, like like movies like Terminator and iRobot, like weren't that wrong. Like that's totally possible. I've been wanting ever since like all this open air stuff. I've been wanting to like go rewatch T two because it was like one of my favorite movies as a as a teenager or whatever. Yeah, and it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, look, I, I think um, I think it's a very real and game changing technology. Yeah. I think it is. I think this year is going to be the iPhone moment of two thousand seven when Steve Jobs unveiled. I, I fully believe it's got that kind of potential to spawn, let's say, a trillion dollars of GDP or ecosystem. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, something comes along and changes the game. I think, yeah. I think it's there. I, I, you know, I, that means it has to be handled with care. I do think, you know, there's things to think about, about what, what, how, how fast and how smart it could get. Um, I think in the medium term, it's going to be something that really improves the output of most things. Cause I think most of the stuff it writes or generates in pictures is not like, it's not, it's not sort of show ready, you know, it's not, no, for not right time. now, not right now, but maybe in two, three generations. Yeah. Maybe sooner than that, but like maybe in 10 or 15 years, but like, but, but it will help everyone. Like if you've ever tried to write something or write ad copy or like it immediately gets you drafts and lets you pick off yeah. things. So I think it, that it's going to speed up humans and improve the end quality of everything we get out there yeah. uh, and help us probably think and be more clear with a lot of things we do. Right. And just to be clear, I meant two, three generations of AI, right? Oh, uh, oh gotcha, gotcha. Not human generations. Not like two or three people from now. I mean, like uh, in, in, in a two or three iterations of it. Yeah, no. And, and so so I guess I honestly, I've tried this. I can't think of a job that AI couldn't just do. Like, I can't think of a job that will still like need to be done by humans. 
so, but at the same time, I don't think we'll land in this fully like iRobot Terminator version of it. I think we'll land in more of a Star Wars version of it where it's like, oh, you have these like fully functional droids and there's sort of this droid human, you know, relate in a relation, not in a relation, but like there's this droid human relationship that where, you know, they have really a lot of the same things humans do and they're used functionally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. But we could, we could obsolete ourselves if we wanted to, I bet. Um, Jesse, it's been a good time. It's been fun talking. Our, we're, we're a little loose structured, not as, uh, not as segmented as the, as the crazy ones. Um, one of my favorite podcasts though. Uh, one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. If you guys don't follow Jesse on Twitter, what is your handle? JS Poogee. JS Poogee. That's Poogee with two J's. Um, give him a follow and also listen to the crazy ones. And also if you are, yeah, I mean, plug all your stuff, plug like growth assistant and, and Kahani. Give us the one yeah. plug. Follow me, uh, JS Poogee. I love to help entrepreneurs. Let's leave it at that. Just get, just do that. Start there. That's the top of the funnel, right? There you uh, go. Cool. Well, Jesse, one thing we like to do here is a parting shot. I'll give you a second to think about it. Um, but the parting shot is a, I mean, we got an hour, almost an hour, 10 minutes of conversation here. If you take nothing else away from this, you know, take, take this type of thing. This is like the sound bite, you know, it's just to make it easy for us to clip. So we know where to go. Yeah. No, nothing is more important to entrepreneurship than prioritization. Figure out what matters and focus on that. I love it. Short and sweet. I do parting shots and they're like, a minute long and it's like that's not really the point it's supposed to be a tldr i, I was trying to demonstrate the point of focus and prioritization yeah I'm hey let's see what you did there uh all right jesse thanks for coming on if you are listening to us on an audio platform like spotify apple podcasts uh soundcloud something like that please rate and review the podcast it's very helpful to us if you are listening to us live on twitter please follow modern commerce follow jesse follow me john jh coil those are the three hosts of this twitter space uh if you're following or if you're listening on youtube please subscribe hit the bell and uh yeah subscribe and hit the bell that's it we'll see you next time